the language chooses the person and not the person the language. To shock people, this is a, a very, very pretty part of studying the different languages. Speak, speak, speak. Communication, this is the most important thing. Man. You have to feel the language. So there are no excuses. Hello, hello, language lovers. Welcome back to LingoCast, the podcast of your language journey. My name is Eliseu, and today we are back with another episode. And have you ever thought about starting learning a language that's not that popular? That's today's topic. We are going to talk with Francesco Bruno, an Italian guy who works in the diplomat area and lives in Krasnodar in Russia. But before we start this episode, don't forget to follow us on social media and in your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to support LingoCast, you can be part of one of our Patreon programs. That will allow you to be part of our WhatsApp group, send questions to our guests and many other advantages. Once done, so let's go to our episode. Francesco Bruno, how are you doing? Hey, Eliseo, I feel great. What about you? Hey, everything all right? Uh, I'm glad you are here. Today we have a, a different polyglot, someone who is working in a diplomatic field. Uh, first time they were talking with someone who's working something like this. So, yeah, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who is Francesco? Yeah, thank you very much, first of all, Eliseo, for uh, reaching me out. Yeah. I know that you are a polyglot as well, so when I found out that you are studying a lot of languages, that you study a lot, a lot of languages, I was very interested in, uh, you know, in, in um, acquainting you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my name is Francesco. I am Italian. I was born in Sassafone, Italy, where I have been for 20 years. Um, at the moment, I live, um, I'm living in Russian, Sassafone of Russian, and I decided to move here, to move here one year ago. And uh, I work in the um, in the Italian consul, and uh, I am a polyglot. I have different passions actually in my life, like languages, because I uh, like. Uh, I always say that I decided to breathe languages all day long. Yeah, that's uh, since the moment I woke up uh, until the moment I I go to bed. And uh, but actually, this is not. Mm, the only passion that I have in my life, I like, um, you know, business online, uh, to be in shape, go to the gym. So there are actually different things that I like to do during the day. And uh, I studied 12 different languages. Uh, I have, uh, I don't say every day, but almost every day I have a lot of interviews in different languages where I can show my knowledge of different languages like the Portuguese that I study at university, Spanish, Bulgarian. Russian and Ukraine, and above all, um, yeah, we can say obviously in, in Italian. Above all, in Italian, I have a lot of interviews. So this is just me. Oh yeah, that's really interesting. And who recommends you? Was Sam Polyglot Sam? And but before you start a little bit about the the, the topic that Sam chose about the, the importance uh, of learning less popular languages, can you tell a little bit how is your job connected with language learning? How you can imagine like, living in, uh, in Russian? I'm forced to speak in Russian every day, but uh, thanks to my work, since I work in Italian consul, I have a lot of contacts with Italians well who come over, yeah, uh, who want to get some information about some something, yeah, some documents, so some documents that we translate. So just I translate, for example, from Russian to Italian, from Italian to Russian. So I can say that uh, I speak. There are some days. When I speak more Russian than Italian, because with my girlfriend, for example, we live together and I speak more Russian than Italian. She doesn't speak actually any Italian, so you can understand. 
And um, actually, I um, I translate some documents. There, there were, uh, there have been some, you know, situations where I had to tr translate some documents um, in French or in English. So actually, um, the consul, for example, the Italian consul, he sometimes uh, uses my knowledge to uh, exploit my knowledge to translate, for example, some documents in other languages. So I can say that. This is connected with some of the languages that actually I'm, uh, I'm studying at the moment. There are languages actually that I can't use at war, but uh, I try to use my languages every day. So by speaking, for example, with other friends, native speakers, people who I find um, on some apps like HelloTalk. This is a very good app that I can advise you to every, I suggest to everyone. And uh, so I can say that, yeah, this is my languages actually this is my drug, this is my life. So even if I, don't, I can't use them every day at work, I try to use them at, at home. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and uh, you are also very interested in Slavic languages, right? And can you tell us how did you get interested in this specific group of languages? Yeah, like, Slavic languages actually is it's, my... it's before you moved to Russia, right? Yeah, yeah, I was just 16 years old when I began studying my first language, Bulgarian language, with my grandmother's caregiver. And uh, I, I remember this moment as what it happened yesterday, you know, uh, just asked her uh, to teach me something in Bulgarian. And after I, I, you know, I got passionate about the language. And uh, after two years, when I was 18 years old, I moved to Bulgarian just for a, one week or 10, 10 days, uh, like interpreter because uh, there weren't at school uh, any people uh, speaking in Bulgarian and there was the only uh, student yeah, who could speak in Bulgarian other languages, like English, yeah, the actual English was my first language. We can say that Bulgarian was my second language. And after, um, when I was 20 years old, uh, you can understand that my Bulgarian was coming along enough well, yeah, and I could speak, communicate with other people, uh, I, I make friends, for example, I remember that I made friends with other people, so it was um, amazing. And when I was uh, 20 years old, I moved to Torino, this is a city um, in northern region, not very far from Milan. And then I enrolled at university and I began studying Russian language. And actually, just like happens in our, you know, between Latin languages, if, for example, you know Portuguese, Portuguese language, you can learn with facility other uh, Latin languages like Italian or Spanish or French, we can say. And the same happens uh, when you study Slavic languages. So I asked to myself, why don't, you know, don't start talking with other, with other Slavic languages, like a Russian language. And uh, I began studying it. And after I uh, began studying Ukraine language and after Polish language. So I, we can say that the Polish was my last language, Slavic language that I began studying. And actually, I uh, many people ask me, Francesco, which will be the, 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 uh, the other language, the, the next language that you're going to study? I always say I don't play studying other languages. 12 languages is a great amount. And uh, this is a great responsibility, you know, to, to boost the knowledge over every language. So uh, there are four Slavic languages that uh, I'm studying and I don't plan studying other. But I can understand Croatian, Serbian, Frexian, and other languages, thanks to the knowledge that I have in Bulgarian, um, Polish, Ukrainian, Russian. Mm -hmm. 
Oh yeah, and we have questions that some people send, like our patrons can send questions and I usually choose three people to send questions. And uh, Julia Tonero sent, uh, oh, what do you do not to mix the vocabulary in Slavic languages? Okay, very good question. This is actually a very common question that I get quite every day during, for example, my podcast, other interviews on YouTube. Well, um, the most important thing when we say the language is, according to me, is to have a plan. You have, above all, when you study over, you know, six different languages, so you have to have a plan. And if I know that today I have to study Portuguese language, uh, in order to not get confused with other languages that are alike, that are very similar, I try to not to, you know, to, to draw my attention to, uh, you know, I, if I study Portuguese, I do study Spanish. If I study Ukraine, I do study Polish. Uh, if, for example, I know that today, for example, Sunday and uh, I don't want to study, for example, um, I don't, don't want to study Ukraine because I want to study Polish language. I don't want to get confused between these two languages. So I just uh, have a plan and every day study three different languages. And uh, I try to um, write down all the words and try to put them on the context. So I try to understand the phrase, try to understand each word that I try to memorize and I try to understand how to use them in the context, in the situation. And then speaking with other people, with native speakers, I try to use it to put in practice. And in this way, I can memorize better. I can distinguish those words uh, who, no, words who are similar, for example, or, um, you know, yeah, are similar to uh, in other languages, like uh, Portuguese, Spanish, for example, it was a nightmare at the beginning when I began studying Spanish, because this was three years ago. Because I knew Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, that I like more, but it was quite, quite hard at the beginning. Even thought after two weeks, I remember, uh, thanks to Italian language and Portuguese language, I can understand Spanish, I can get around with the language, but I always get confused. After one year, I can say, I began distinguish these two languages. And sometimes now, when, for example, they have a lot of practice, for example, there's moments when, for example, they have to, to, to prioritize, for example, other things, I can get confused. I can confuse those words that are, are very, very, very similar. So how I don't confuse, I study every day for languages. I try, the, I try not to study the uh, similar languages in the same day and try to understand each word in each, each expression and to put that in practice, um, you know, and uh, trying to memorize some situations and uh, yeah, moments where I can use them in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at the end it's almost impossible not to to mix uh, 100% right to if you speak so many similar languages, right? Yeah, yeah. Above all, at the beginning, this is kind of very very hard. But after, uh, for example, I live in Russian, yeah. So I speak Russian every day. But in the last five years, I can say that I I spoke more Ukraine than the Russian, and I could switch from R- Russian to Ukraine without any problems. So I can't get confused b- between these two languages. But if, for example, they have to speak in 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 Spanish, after they have to switch to Portuguese, for me will be a little bit more more difficult, will be harder for me. Because uh, I'm not uh, accustomed, I'm not used to speak Portuguese and Spanish, for example, in the same day uh, and so often, yeah? 
But I can switch, for example, I can speak, for, for example, with a person in Ukraine, I can switch in Russian, for example, with another person at the same, in the, in the same moment. So for me, it's, uh, it's easier, depending on the language that you speak. If you have a lot of practice, yeah, it's easier. If you have less practice, it will be harder. Yeah, so Sam, uh, you were saying that Sam chose the topic for this interview today. It's a very interesting topic. So regarding less popular languages, what much motivates you to learn languages that are not that popular? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, when you study different language, you have to um, accept uh, those things that are different, um, those things that are different about your culture, yeah, um, that are that are completely different from your culture. Um, so every time that you start a different language, you have to understand that the mentality of a different culture, uh, the mentality of a different country, and uh, and for me it's a kind of challenge because there are a lot of people above all above all, above all um, we can say lots of uh, polyglots who study um, Spanish, Portuguese, French languages, but uh, rarely I meet polyglots who can study for oh can speak for example Ukraine language or Polish language why because they are a very hard language and uh, they are not so popular and uh, why I began studying Ukrainian language I can say that every time that we start a language I I always say that the language chooses the person and not the person the language so when I began studying Bulgarian language I remember I was just a 16 years old and uh, I remember that the Bulgarian language chose me like Ukraine language, after I don't know six years, yeah, five six years, it chose me. And actually, at the moment, of Ukraine language, I can say this is my favorite language. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I think that I have a, a kind of Slavic soul. My mother always uh, to- talks me that says says to me, uh, Francesco, I think that you are more Slavic than you uh, than you know European. And uh, and for this reason, I'm very very linked to a slavic culture and i think i think that this is very next to my soul so um, bulgarian ukraine they are not so common yeah but when you can shock people with uh, these languages this is very fine this is amazing because uh let's imagine that i walk around the road and i uh, i meet a person speaking ukraine i can speak in i can speak in russian and the ukrainians speak in russian yeah you know but if example, you switch to Ukraine, they are shocked. Like an Italian a foreigner speaking in Ukraine or Polish, this is a kind of, you know, this is amazing. So mm-hmm. to shock people, this is a, a very, very pretty part of studying different languages. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah, totally. And like you gain their respect when you... Uh... Yeah, get the respect, a great respect. Yeah, yeah. You... you understand the mentality, you respect, you understand the culture and they, they respect your culture, your mentality as well. All right. So uh, how Slavic have you become already eating pizza with ketchup and garlic sauce and chicken? Oh man, no, I don't, this is a nightmare for me. I don't want to talk about that. Because okay. every time that like, I come in Russian, every time I see people eating, for example, pizza, this is a kind of pizza. This is not like our pizza. Just that I want to avoid this topic because I see a lot of things that are for me, you know, <laughs> it's impossible. So, so catch up with pizza. I don't know how people can eat it. So <laughs> this is something actually that I miss. Uh, when I, I think about Italy, pizza, so the culture of eating, 
This okay. is kind of the culture that we have in Italy. So I miss yeah. that. It's still not 100% Slavic, yeah. Yeah, this is a little different, you can say. Yeah. This is another kind of culture. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Sam also sent you a question. The question he sent is how to deal with the lack of content in your target language? Because when you speak like less popular languages, uh, we have this issue, right? Like uh, we cannot yeah. find so much content to learn or so many speakers to, to talk. How do you do that? Mm. You know, Alicia, I think that today we are in a very, um, in a very particular, we live in a very particular world. There are no excuses. So we are, we have a great globalization. And if you want to get somewhere, if you want to get something, you have no excuses. So for example, let's let's say that I want to practice Bulgarian language, but there is no material there eh, to, to study this language. I just I can just download some apps like Hell Talk that I can advise you. And then I can practice it with a lot of people. So this is a way of speaking the language. At the beginning, when I was 18 years old, before uh, studying off with Russian language that I began studying when I was 20 years old, so six years ago, I wanted to study, uh, remember, I wanted to study uh, Ukraine language, but I didn't find any material. You know, I didn't find anything on the internet. But today, if, uh, for example, you click, you just write uh, Ukraine language, you find a lots of video. So there are no excuses. The, the thing that I can advise you is just the find people, linguistic partners who are interested in learning your um, target language, for example, uh, in uh, they're interested in, in your mother tongue, your Italian language, who can help you out with your um, with your target language. Yeah, every time, for example, that I want to practice Ukrainian language, I can uh, download some apps like uh, HelloPal uh, and the other apps that I don't, I don't, I don't remember at the moment. But HelloTalk for me is the better, it's the, be it's the best app, and then I can just click um practice there i just can write um that i wanna um, i wanna practice for example ukraine or Ukraine. and i can find a lots of people studying italian language and just write do you want to practice some language today let's go let's have a call so, so there is no problem and uh so this is just the communication this is for for me in studying different languages this is the main thing to communicate so uh, the communication is the most important thing that we can have above all when we speak about languages. Okay. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I think everyone has a different goal. Yeah, but for me as well, like communication with people and getting to know the culture, I think is like the most important for me as well. And a similar question was sent by uh, Dragos Luca. Hi, Francesco. My question for you is, how do you tackle the problem of maintaining less popular and less spoken languages? Well, I want to say that I um, every for every language that I study, I have a kind of teacher. So I have a linguistic partner I can uh, rely on. So let's just say that I want to study Bulgarian language. Yeah, or I want to start over with the studying of a new language. The first thing that I do is to look for people who are interested in internal language, who uh, can help me out. Above all, when I have uh, no, some problems pop up or they have some questions. And I know that I can bank on this person. So um, every time I try to have a call with this person, um, they are rare people actually, yeah, because there are people who, for example, they are not so patient. 
uh, they don't want to help you out or at the beginning can help you out, but after they, they don't want, they don't want to keep studying with you, but likely, but fortunately I have to say that, um, likely I have to say that they have a lot of people I have been speaking for uh, six or five years, like from Russian, for example, uh, people who want to study Italian language and I can speak with them every day. So even even if the Bulgarian, for example, is not so common language here, I have teachers, I have people who are in Italy, for example, living in Italy, who, um, you know, who respect me, with whom I can speak quite every day. So this is the way I do in order to, to boost this kind of the knowledge of this, you know, not so common languages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally, Speak, yeah. speak, speak. Communication, this is the most important thing, man. <laughs> yeah, all right. And before we go for our multi-language questions, there are always two questions I ask people. And uh, one of them is, what does fluency mean for you? Well, uh, when you, you have to feel the language. I think that when you understand, for example, the humor, yeah, when you understand <laughs> the mentality of the culture, yeah, of people, for example, you can, uh, um, yeah, you can, um, just you can speak, for example, with people that you can smile and uh, people can understand you. Uh, I think that you can, this is the last step. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say that you, you, you speak with, uh, you are speaking with Russian people around the table and they are drunk. Let's say, yeah, the typical, this is the typical situation that we think about, uh, about Russians when we imagine, yeah, your Russian or Russian culture. So, so the, every, everyone is drunk here. Yeah? <laughs> Even if you think that this is not true. And, uh, if you can understand them in the, in that, in that situation and they can, for example, you can, uh, mm, yeah, you can uh, smile. Um, I think that this is, um, this, this is a demonstration that, uh, this shows, this shows that you have a very good level in that language, that you can understand the mentality, that you can understand when a person, for example, wanna, when a person, for example, wants to, um, uh, to tease you, uh, or, um, so to understand the, the, yeah, the, um, when a person wants to smile, yeah. Well, yeah, something like uh, that. Yeah, I, I have always, I always say that there are two kinds of content that they show that you have a very, if you understand them, you, it shows that you have a really good knowledge of the language and the culture, which are stand up. So if you understand the jokes and you, you need yeah, to have jokes, a really yeah. good, um, a good knowledge of the language and the culture and also rap. I think if you, if you understand rap, you need to, to understand all the cultural references, the, mm -hmm. the, the social context, everything that it, if you really understand that, it means that you have a really good knowledge about uh, the language and the, the culture, the country. Yeah? So, mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah, when I understand the jokes, you can understand everything. <laughs> yeah. And the second one, the second question I always ask people is, what does it mean for you to be a polyglot? Well, this is a very good question. To be a polyglot, this is a kind of style of um, of life. Yeah, this is a kind of you know when you are polyglot, you have a kind of responsibility. And um, I just uh, I would like to say that uh, even even if I am a polyglot, I don't, 
many people think that you have to be do you have to have do you have do you have to have a talent in order to study language yeah do you have to have passion to study language this is not true because actually i'm um, i'm not motivated every day to study languages actually i don't want to say that uh, i can't say that every day i want to study my languages but i have to study my languages i must study my languages because this is a kind of responsibility so to be a polyglot means that you have the right mentality toward the southern or the foreign languages. You feel the languages. You want to understand more. And, um, and uh, it means that you want to try to, to change the world. Yeah. Because every time that you can communicate in different, in different languages, you have to communicate with different people. Uh, you have a message that you have to to send to the world and to the people who, for example, listen to you. So this is a great and very important responsibility that we have toward the world. This is like of you know philosophical maybe thought, but I think that this is my according to me this is what it, um, this is my idea about to be a photo. Yeah, totally. For me, it's also like it's a lifestyle and a mindset. Yeah. That... Yeah, mindset. This is the most important thing, by the way, mindset. Yeah, okay. So, let's go for our language questions. Можемо почати українською? Ага, можемо. Ага. Ти вже знаєш, якою буде твоя наступна мова? Так, як я сказав англійською мовою, я не хочу вчити інші іноземні мови, тому що 12 мова – це, звісно, велика кількість так мов. Uh, я спочатку думав, що я буду вчити хорватську мову, тому що ця мова мені дуже привабливе, мені дуже подобається. Але, чесно кажучи, кожного разу, коли я вчу різні мови, я думаю, блін, я маю звертати увагу більше на, наприклад, на декілька мов. Як, наприклад, я, як я сказав спочатку, я вчу 12 мов, але є мови, звісно, яким я не розмовляю так вільно, так, як три мови, особливо, над якими я маю попрацювати. Як, наприклад, ну, китайська мова, румунська мова і німецька мова, так, які я, ну, які я знаю, так, але на якими не можу розуміти так вільно, як я би хотів. Є мови, які, ну, над якими більше, мабуть, більше часу я працював, і ну, якими я можу розуміти вільніше. Тому, на жаль, ну, мені шкода це сказати, навіть якщо багато людей би хотіли, щоб я вивчив іншу мову, так, Uh, я не хочу вчити, не планую, в крайньому випадку, uh, ну, зараз вчити іншу мову, тому що, як я, сказати, як я сказав, вчити велику, ну, просувати вперед, так, велику кількість мов, це для мене велика відповідальність. Тому я хочу якісно працювати і вчитися якісно теж. Uh-huh. І а, яку, яку мову ти хочеш вдосконалити зараз? Ну, звісно, я би хотів вдосконалювати словенські мови, так, звісно, я не можу вдосконалювати, і не можу сказати, що я не буду вдосконалювати свою російську мову, тому що кожного дня я змушую розуміти цю мову, тому навіть якщо я не хочу розуміти цю мову, я мушу розуміти цю мову, тому я, скажімо так, я буду його покращувати. Просто розмовляючи, можна сказати, навіть якщо я тобі сказав, що я записую, ну, я записую всі слова, так, у мене, мене зошит, в якому я пишу всі слова, 
або вирази, які я вчу кожного дня. На рахунок російської мови навіть мені не варто як описати всі слова, є вирази, які я зустрічаю або чую, наприклад, розмінячися з Федівчина або з іншими людьми, чого? тому що я можу автоматично так їх вчити. Тому мені проспіше, скажімо так, з цього плану, на цьому плану. Блін, ти, ти дуже, дуже добре розмовляєш українською. No. Ну, я Круто. вже 4 роки, можна сказати, я розумію українською, тому я більше, ну, більше українською, можна сказати, до останнього літа. Я більше українською, ніж російською я розмовляв. Або, можна сказати, що вже останнього року я зараз більше російською, але останні 4 роки більше українською. Мабуть, більше українською, ніж українською, мабуть, не заперечуєш. Що були моменти, коли декілька днів я більше українською, ніж італійською я розмовляв. Тому саме ти можеш розуміти. Ось, ну, якось так, ось такі справоки. Наступна мова — португез. І ага. ось я дійсно які преферію португез бразилейру, о, у бразилейру. Квайз у сіус критеріус пара ескольєру ма варіанті дю ідіома? Sim, eu, eu escuto mais, se eu posso dizer, né? Eu escuto mais a música também em português brasileiro que português europeu. E, na verdade, eu estudei, eu estudei português europeu na universidade, mas, não sei, eu entendo somente o 60% do, 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 do português europeu. Não sei porquê, mas é um, é um português bem diferente do português brasileiro. O português brasileiro é mais parecido, né, para mim, mais parecido ao, ao italiano. O italiano, sobretudo, que é falado no sul do país. Você sabe que o sul do país, do sul do país, né? Nápoles, Salerno, então é mais sim, mais parecido. Como eu escuto, né? É, na verdade, a variante do idioma que, escuta, que, que me escuta, é, que, me, que me escolha, e não tenho que escolher, escolher nada. É, quando, escutei, quando eu comecei a estudar, a estudar o, português, o português brasileiro, eu, sim, brasileiro, eu entendi que eu, a minha alma também era, era muito feliz né? quando, quando eu falava este idioma. E, estudando português europeu também, quando tinha que me preparar pelas provas, né? pelas provas quando fazia aulas de, de, de português, e não, eu entendia a maioria das coisas, mas não, não podia entender a maioria, a, perfeitamente todo. Né? Então, eu entendi que não, né, a variante que eu faço para mim. Eu entendo mais eh, o português brasileiro também as pessoas, né? Escolher também a variante no idioma significa que você se sente melhor quando você fala com algumas pessoas. As pessoas brasileiras são mais abertas, né? São mais abertas, não, não são frias, a diferença do português das pessoas que moram em Portugal. Um, po, um pouco como as pessoas, né? Você tem origens italianas. Uhum. Então você entende que aqui na Itália também tem uma diferença entre, o Porto, entre os, os italianos do norte da Itália e da sul do país, né? As pessoas do norte, você sabe, né? São pessoas um pouco mais frias, né? Não são amigáveis, né? Como, por exemplo, com as pessoas, os italianos que moram no, no sul do país. Então eu entendo isso muito bem porque foi um drama, né? Foi bastante difícil, foi inicialmente quando eu me mudei para, para Turim. Uhum. Eu não podia entender porque as pessoas eram, eram tão frias com mim, com, com, com mim. e depois eu entendi. Então, só, tem na verdade várias coisas que me fazem escolher uma variante do um idioma. Então, por essas razões. Cada região da Itália parece um país diferente, não? É, é muito sim, diferente. Sim, sim, sim. Em relação à cozinha. É, também, em relação também aos dialetos, né? Uhum. Uhum. 
Sim. Quando eu, uh, eu fui para a Itália a primeira vez, eu achava que polenta era um, um prato uh, italiano que se comia em todos os lugares e eu descobri que não. Uh, que era é regional e mas eu não sabia porque para mim era, era um prato muito comum uhum. que eu comia em casa ah por exemplo no do país o polenta polenta e uma coisa que na comunidade não muito comum né se você uma pessoa se a minha mãe colocamos o caso que me diz ah, eu esta tarde vou preparar a polenta e penso que ela é já uma louca né <risos> não sei que que aconteceu com a minha mãe então eu... <risos> no norte da Itália, por exemplo, é assim, uma comida mais comum, né? Você prepara, não digo todos os dias, não sei, mas é mais comum, assim. Abbiamo parlato prima, mi hai detto che non parli napoletano, vero? Puoi raccontarci... Non parlo, lo capisco, però. Ma però, puoi raccontarci perché non l'hai imparato? O se ti piacerebbe impararlo? Bene, io lo so che il napoletano è, soprattutto nel sud Italia, no? Si dice che il napoletano sia una bellissima lingua, perché è una lingua a tutti gli effetti. I dialetti dal punto di vista linguistico sono in realtà delle lingue. Ci sono anche addirittura delle canzoni in napoletano, delle poesie in napoletano, quindi è una lingua, ok? Perché non ho parlato, non ho imparato a parlare napoletano, nonostante lo capisco, eh? Nonostante lo capisca... Uh, perché i miei genitori, uh, mia madre uh, parla solamente in italiano, uh, figlia di due professori che, parlano, che parlavano logicamente in italiano, come puoi capire, mia sorella anche uh, solamente, parla solamente in italiano, poi viva a Firenze, quindi lo capisci, no? Il, la lingua di Firenze, la, diciamo che l'italiano di, eh, di parlato a Firenze dovrebbe essere, secondo la cultura, la letteratura italiana, quelli, eh, Quel, quel, quel tipo di italiano che si avvicina più all'italiano standard, neutro, ok? Eh, mio padre invece parla un dialetto ma che non è napoletano, ok? Noi per esempio eh, che viviamo in provincia di Salerno, Salerno, vabbè, Napoli sono due ore di, di, diciamo, due ore di distanza, cioè, no? cioè tra queste due città, noi abbiamo un dialetto, un dialetto salernitano, che in realtà suona mh, abbastanza... Suona, è, è abbastanza diverso okay, dal napoletano ci sono delle parole che sono usate in maniera differente eh, e di conseguenza nella mia zona non è che si parla proprio napoletano io lo capisco perché perché ci sono molti napoletani che vengono da noi soprattutto per il lavoro che faccio in Italia eh, però non so io in Italia preferisco parlare l'italiano pulito soprattutto visto che sono stato cinque anni a Torino puoi immaginare che se parlavo italiano nessuno mi capiva quindi è anche un motivo in più per parlare in italiano eh, perché il napoletano stando in una bellissima lingua si può parlare solamente in Italia poi con il napoletano puoi parlare anche eh, magari con i pugliesi con i siciliani ti capiscono mm-hmm. però diciamo il napoletano parlato il proprio il napoletano pulito ok si parla solamente a Napoli mm-hmm. Ah, anche perché Campania è una regione antichissima, no? E, sì. diciamo, quindi perciò c'è, c'è questa varietà. Sì. Uh, uh, sì, bueno, in spagnolo... Io avevo scritto una, una pregunta qui per voi, però... Cioè, era la stessa pregunta che hice in, in ucraniano. Però uh, con quale cultura ti senti più connettato? La cultura dei de paesi in cui si parla lo idioma che parli o che stai apprendendo. Escuchando spagnolo, voglio dire una cosa. Uh-huh. 
me gusta que tú hablas en español argentino, ¿sí? Porque con vos <risa> pienso que es una manera de hablar argentino, pero ¿sí? Sí, es, exacto, porque para mí es una conexión cultural, ¿no? Porque los argentinos, uh -huh. los uruguayos, o sea, la, la mentalidad, la cultura es muy parecida con la, la cultura de mi, de mi región en Brasil. Por eso uh -huh. eh, lo, lo que tenía, eh, tenía esta conexión. Para mí la conexión que tengo, una fuerte conexión que yo siento cuando hablo uh, lenguas diferentes, es uh, una, tengo una conexión muy fuerte con uh, la, la cultura eslava. La cultura eslava... Uh, para mí no hay una diferencia entre la, la cultura ucraniana, rusa, uh, polaca, búlgara. Para mí la cultura eslava eh, es una cultura que eh, es muy similar. ¿okay? Eh, cuando, por ejemplo, hablo con rusos, eh, las personas rusas me, piensan que soy ruso. Uh, tengo lo, lo que argumento, tengo una una manera de hablar que se, que se distingue. Eh, las personas se pueden, pueden entender que soy extranjero, que soy italiano, uh, pero hablando conmigo, eh, piensan que soy, que soy un ruso que eh, he vivido por, por, muy tiempo, en, uh, por mucho tiempo en, en, en Italia o en otros países, por ejemplo, en Europa, sobre todo. Eh, pero la, la cultura que siento, que siento aquí es una cultura que, me, es muy, sí, que me, a mí me gusta mucho. A mí me gusta mucho, la puedo entender muy bien. Es una cosa, lógicamente, como ya de, de, decimos en inglés, es una cosa que, eh, eh, una cosa junta con la mentalidad. Entender la mentalidad, entender la cultura, la manera de hablar, también las personas, cómo se, el comportamiento también de las personas. Es una cosa muy importante. Eh, entonces, la cultura que para mí, que a mí me gusta más, es la cultura rusa eslava. La cultura eslava. Okay. Eh, por esa razón yo... Vivo en, en Rusia, soy muy difícil de ser. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Sí. Eh, no, может быть, на русском. Ты сказал, что, э, что ты, ты живешь в России. Я никогда не, uh -huh. не был в России, но как э, живете там иностранцу? А, как жизнь, то есть, как иностранец живет в России, да? Uh -huh. Ну, можно сказать даже, что э, иностранец тут может жить хорошо, если, конечно, у него есть план. Я всегда говорю, что если у человека нет планов, он может быть очень опасным. Почему? Потому что он может нарушать да, как планы других людей, и сам он не знает, чего он хочет добиться. Ну, тут обожают иностранцы, особенно иностранцы, которые приезжают из Италии, из Испании. Тут иностранцы могут, например, преподавать языки. Я сам обращаюсь, даже сейчас обращаюсь к разным частным школам, где ищут носителей языков, которые могут преподавать, например, итальянский, испанский, французский, да, потому что они достаточно общие языки. Да. В общем, иностранцу вообще-то вначале может быть немного нелегко, да, достаточно сложно, потому что особенно если он не знает языка, ну, это получается, оказывается гораздо труднее. Почему? Потому что он язык должен учить, потом он должен понять менталитет людей, как себя вести, особенно в определенных ситуациях, когда какие-то задачи, проблемы как, ну, возникают. Поэтому это может быть все сложно, как вначале. А потом, если действительно человека хочет как прижиться, да, приспособиться к новой культуре, как независимо от России, Украины, Польши, Испании и так далее, он будет это делать, и он будет привыкать. 
Это только вопрос времени. Uh-huh. Uh, и la, la dernière question, on peut faire en français, oui? Euh, ouais. Et quelle est la différence pour toi entre apprendre une langue comme passe-temps et à la, à l'apprendre pour, pour ton travail, pour ton boulot Quand tu étudies une langue pour le travail, tu dois, euh, tu dois étudier seulement parce que tu dois, tu dois la faire. Ouais. Mais tu n'es pas patient. Mais j'ai toujours dit que quand tu étudies une langue, c'est très important d'avoir la passion, d'avoir la motivation, d'avoir les raisons pour lesquelles tu veux faire ça. Euh, comme j'ai dit en anglais, tous les jours, j'étudie mes langues. Ce n'est pas important si je vais utiliser ces langues pour le travail, ou si je ne veux pas, par exemple, parler avec des personnes. Et... La, la chose importante pour moi est avoir la passion tous les jours, parler, m'exprimer et ne oublier la langue. Donc quand tu travailles, tu, as, tu, as, tu, as, tu dois seulement... Euh, tu, tu étudies la langue pour, euh, pour l'argent, ouais. Mais quand tu as la passion, tu, fais, tu étudies la langue parce que c'est quelque chose qui, c'est quelque chose qui, te, qui te plaît. C'est, c'est, c'est ta vie. Ouais, comme j'ai dit, étudier la langue, pour, pour moi, c'est quelque chose de très important. Je ne peux pas aussi imaginer euh, ma vie sans l'étude de la langue étrangère. Donc, c'est la, euh, la principale. C'est la principale différence entre étudier la langue quand tu as passion et quand tu dois. Parce que tu dois souvent travailler. Donc, tu dois. <rire> Bien sûr. Obligé. Super, je suis d'accord. Et oui, la, la dernière question du, du podcast, la dernière question que je vous ai demandé, c'est un nom et un topic. Qui vous voudriez voir dans les prochains épisodes de LingoCast Andrea Ripamonti, super, c'est un super polyglot. Il connaît plus de 10 différentes langues, ou 12. Oui, je pense que 12 différentes langues, plus de 12. Then uh, 12 different languages, and the topic can be the motivation, the right motivation in foreign languages. So I, uh, I'm writing a, a book with him, and uh, he's a very a good motivator. He knows how to motivate the people, and uh, he knows how to get the right motivation to study okay. different languages. He's a great person, and I'm sure that he will give uh, uh, great tips to people. And uh, he will share share with you a lot of information. Fantastic, fantastic. And where can people find you and your your projects, and uh, if they want to contact you? Yeah, just uh, people can write, for example, Francesco Bruno 96, Francesco Bruno uh, on on Instagram, for example, or Il Poliglotta del Cilento. Il Poliglotta del Cilento, like the Polyglot of Cilento. This is a Cilento, you know that this is a Uh, part of uh, my region, yeah, in the southern Italy. So I am the polyglot of Chile because the, I am the only polyglot who can study different languages. I, I am also on the journal, on the newspaper. Um, they they have an interview with me, so they can find me the polyglot of Chile or Francesco uh, Bruno. Fantastic! I will leave all the links in the description of this episode. Thanks very much for attending. It was really nice talking to you. I didn't know about your project, about you. Yeah, it was a great pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for reaching me out. Peace.